I thought I'd have a few more minutes. <laughs> uh, so if I seem a little out of it, I woke up at 5 this morning, and maybe it was on my mind because my, my uh, students just took their finals, but did you ever have that nightmare where you had to get to school to take an exam, and no matter what you did, you could not get there? Um, yeah, I, yeah, a couple of people raised their hand. Well, that was mine. But imagine it was, I have to get to church because I have a sermon to deliver, and I couldn't get there. And then I finally got there, and I opened up my, my uh, printed copy, and all the pages were blank. <laughs> so, just as a precaution, in my car right now is my laptop, because I want to make sure that nothing was going to happen. Although in first service, just before it started, I thought, I bet the battery's dead. <laughs> so <laughs> you think it would get easier the more times you do this. Anyway, uh, the reading today uh, comes from the Acts of the Apostles, starting the first chapter, verses 1 through 11, from the New Revised Standard Version. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all, the th- all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. After reading the lectionary readings for today, I started to think about what I would talk about in a message, and two things came to mind. The first is that I really don't understand how the lectionary was developed. I do know there's a three-year cycle of readings, and I know and that most Christians hear the same readings on any given Sunday. It seems that so often the readings have little to do with each other, and then there's a psalm. Today's readings are unusual in that they are believed to be written by the same person. The first is Luke finishing his gospel, and the second 
is him beginning the Acts of the Apostles. Ironically, they use the same story. So I'm going to come back to that in just a few minutes. The second thing, I really started to think about the significance of words as when I had the opportunity to preach last on the word covenant. About 16 years ago, I learned of the importance of words while negotiating a contract for almost a thousand people. I should say a thousand families, as they were depending on me and a small group of people to protect them and their working conditions. The difference between may, should, shall, and will seems small until you have to be in a room with someone and defend the use of the word. Through that negotiations experience, I learned that words have consequences. Whenever I am writing something, I am very aware of the words that I am using. Even an email, where people think it's their right to say anything they want in any way. As an artist, I have come to believe that use of words is like painting with them. Each word has color and texture and meaning. Picasso had a time where he painted all of his canvases in hues of blue. They look sad and depressing. And good writers can do the same thing with words. Now, some words have extraordinary baggage, mostly negative, and I'm not going to mention those. And others, over time, carry more and more baggage. Here's an example. October 24th, 1929. And that was the beginning of the Great Depression, which would last about 12 years and affect an entire generation. At first, the word depression was used to make it sound as if it was just a little financial blip. Don't worry, it'll be over soon. Like when I have a piece of clay in my hand and I stick my thumb into it and make an indentation or a depression. I doubt that we will ever hear a politician use that word to describe the economy ever again. Now, I'm actually waiting for economists to find a new word for recession. I'm sure politicians don't want to use that word either. Ascend. Now, there's an ancient word that we hardly use. And it seems strange because we use the word descend all the time. In the Apostles' Creed, we know that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven. It seems to me that if he descended to the dead, he could have ascended back to the living. There are many synonyms for the word ascend. Here are a few. Arise, aspire, climb, Lift, mount, rise, soar, thrust, uprise, upturn, and related words like boost, elevate, crest, surmount, and scale. Did you know the word rise is used 170 times in the Bible? Arise is used 36 times. Ascend is used 11. And ascension is used three times, but only as titles to chapters. It's not used in the text at all. It seems to me that ascend is something more important than to rise. 
Perhaps it just sounds more important. How does this ring in your ear? He rose from the dead, then rose to heaven. Insert any of the synonyms I previously mentioned. None of them seem to have the same feeling, the same sense of grandeur. The ascension of Jesus is written in three places. It has a very short reference at the end of the Gospel of Mark. And then there are two references from today's readings. So let me go back to the thought about the lectionary and how these are tied together. There are some similarities and some differences. The gospel still has Jesus teaching his disciples and giving them instruction. The Acts starts by just describing the fact that Jesus had given his disciples instructions. From Luke we hear, And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. In the book of Acts, it's more descriptive. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. While the passages are similar, the second is much more clarifying as to what was to happen. And Jesus also makes it clear that the Holy Spirit will be with them soon. From the Gospel of Luke, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. Here, the disciples seem to be the only witnesses to the event of Jesus' ascension. From the book of Acts, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, they were watching, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now there's some important differences here. The apostles are not just going to be clothed with the Holy Spirit, but they will receive power from the Spirit. And the charge is that they will go to the ends of the earth. Forgiveness and redemption are no longer reserved just for Jews, but for all. And this sets the tone for much of what is written in the book of Acts. Lastly, the passage from Acts does not say that they left and went to the temple continually praising God. Here we have other witnesses that I have always assumed were angels, basically asking them, why are you looking in the sky? Jesus has gone now, but will return one day the way he left. Now, I find this version to be much more real. Jesus, their Lord and Master, their friend, whom they thought they had lost 40 days earlier, was now gone. Of course they would be staring into the sky. The Holy Spirit had not yet come to them. Without some kind of encouragement, what would have stopped them from doing what they had been doing for over a month after the crucifixion, staying in a locked room? 
The differences in the two versions of the same story are probably due to the passage of time, each emphasizing that which was important to the people at the time of the writing. But the ascension is still at the heart of the story. Jesus didn't just disappear. The apostles saw him leave in a spectacular way, and they were our witnesses. In doing some research for this message, I found that Paul even considered the use of the word ascend. From Paul's letter to the Romans, but the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. But, because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let us all believe and be saved. To God be the glory.